What you are about to hear is the Hashtag Cult Podcast. What is a Hashtag Cult? Hashtag Cults are groups that signal membership by using a hashtag or keyword. This allows the group to operate on many different sites and makes them difficult to pinpoint. They use the hashtag model to spread propaganda on a variety of social media platforms without having a central account. This is usually because their ideas are offensive or their methods of communicating are abusive and border on website policy violations. In this show, we will show you the coercive groups and cults hiding in plain sight on the internet. Hello. Hello, this is Hashtag Cult Podcast. Who are you talking to me as co-host? My name is Paulina Pinsky, and I'm talking to you, sir. Whatever I'm your Mike name Fallick. is. Yeah, isn't that weird? We both know each other. <laughs> Wouldn't you believe it? Starting a podcast, know each other's names. So what we are currently doing is an investigation on MGTOW. Right. So this we're, we're making a documentary about MGTOW, which is we're going to explain in a second what that is. Um, and... This show will deal with hashtag cults, which uh, in the opening you should have heard the explanation of. These are m- what can be called online cults, but um, w- we are the only people currently to have anonymous members of this group step forward and talk to us. Uh, it's, pr- it's actually pretty amazing. Uh, we it are is. the only people with these interviews. Uh, that's an exclusive. I don't know if people know that that's an exclusive. No, never before has an anonymous member of MGTOW actually talked on camera. That's pretty incredible. I didn't know that. Lots of them publish stuff, which we'll get to in a second, but uh, yeah. So, Mike, what is MGTOW? It's an acronym standing for Men Going Their Own Way. Um, In this episode, you'll see how we get to to learning about it. Uh, The the name of the episode will be MGTOW Reveals Itself, because I will be naming all of the episodes just like their anime episodes. But um, (laughs) they're a part of the red world, uh, red pill world, and... um, this is a very stupid world of people who don't trust women because of the Matrix. And I want you to read, Paulina verbatim, what I have written about what Red Pill is. Matrix. The 99 sci-fi movie about sexy computer hackers who dress in leather. It sounds dumb, but that is really what it is. So They, they really believe, they really believe all of this stuff based on the Matrix. Well, the all irony, of their distrust of women. Well, the irony of this is that the Matrix is written by two trans women, and right. it's essentially about, you know, you know, taking the red pill or the blue pill and seeing humanity for what it is, right? And In the movie. In the movie, that's in the movie, what it is. In the movie. Yeah. And, and it's ironic that these people who hold really misogynistic, probably transphobic beliefs are subscribing to a movie that is not for them. Quite honestly. Well, well let me let me let me stop you there. It's probably transphobic. There's no. <laughs> yeah, no they are transphobic. I, I mean, so, every every sort of ism that could be attached yeah. to a group is wholly and openly. Uh, and I, yeah, I want to I want to explain something here before we we, we really we're going to get deep into the matrix later. So we'll skip our kind of summary of of everything about MGTOW and what we believe so far. This first episode is about getting into you know, MGTOW itself. But I want to explain that um, what I have determined and what the, the group is trying to either prove or disprove is that these are cult members. Um, so what does that mean? What it means is that 
a lot of what they're saying, whether they actually believe this, is a really complicated issue. Um, and so we don't want to get too far into, like, they believe this or they don't believe this. A lot of it's brainwashing. And we'll actually get into this in this episode. Um, so let's talk about what this podcast is. Right now, we're making a documentary about MGTOW. We've been releasing uncut, raw, like, three-hour interviews. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, but this, there's going to be sort of two segments of the show, which is our investigation. We'll break down our interviews and we'll have things about pre-production, post-production and sort of more of our ex- our, our expertise and knowledge on this stuff now that we know more about MGTOW from our experts. And that'll be part one of the show. We'll be doing lots of episodes kind of giving you clips of our MGTOW investigation. The second part will be taking breaks to hear about other investigations into cults, true crimes that involve coercion and narcissism and mental health podcasts, documentaries and books. So on those episodes, we'll be having the creators of other media on the show and talk about their projects in the same way. Um, I'm going to start every episode telling you what raw interview we're watching, which is available on hashtag cult.org or our YouTube page and uh, I'll, I'll tell you some of the pre-production stuff. So pre-production stuff. Uh, this video we're watching, uh, My Friend is Brainwashed by a Sexist Cult, uh, minutes 0 to 45. Um, so yeah, I lost touch with... The pre-production is I lost touch with a friend, um, and uh, he had changed. He had changed drastically over the years that we kind of lost touch. And every time we had interactions, they were... I mean, the, the most general word is worse. They were they were worse. They were not the same person. And it wasn't like it wasn't like somebody getting a new job and they're busy or having a kid and they don't have time for you. It was like worse. It was the same amount of time. It was the same activities, but it was just painful. Um, was, and, uh, was it what he was saying or was it kind of his demeanor or everything? His everything? career goals changed. His idea of the world changed. His ability to like plan something and uh, 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 interact in like a way like like it, it, his ability like if we were to go and plan something and it would be there are known like shitty elements of doing this activity then he would be like to- and I would and I would co- sort of have to coach him over time being like just relax like just mm. chill you, you know like 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 this is gonna go shitty like we know it and then like or, or like it's funny or whatever or, or let's, but let's do it anyway like the, the annoyingness of it and yet still he would show up to activities and just be so like in another world. He would be he, he couldn't control his emotions in a lot of ways. And then the stuff he said too, yeah, obviously. There were a lot of emotional breakdowns and emotional talks about stuff like this. And I really wasn't aware of a lot of it. Mm. Um, and the main thing in pre-production here is he's afraid of of doxing. And every single group has boogeymen. Every single cult has boogeymen. And what I mean by that is they have something that they want to make you afraid of. The earliest analogy I've heard for it is like, um, like in a practical sense is like dragons. I've heard that mm. like medieval people would use dragons. So it's like, well, you can't leave this, this uh, like feudal process because you'll get attacked by like monsters. Um, so is that really the, re- the origin of dragons? That's well, so I'm sure there's other weird things, but I've heard people say that before that like, oh, like that was that was one of the reasons that myth gets bigger and bigger um, mm. is, you know, oh, like you shouldn't go. There's there's dragons. Um, mm. So they're they're boogeyman and, and lots of cults have this. They're like, don't go. People won't listen to you. They won't believe you is doxing or social justice warriors. I had never heard the term, but my friend 
insisted he be anonymous or she be anonymous. Again, we're going to talk about that in a second. A fear of, uh, out of a fear of doxing. So to make it clear, doxing is the idea of exposing your online beliefs in order to take down your job or get you spammed with hate online or in real life. And ultimately, this is a part of cancel culture, which obviously is very topical right now. If you've heard of the term and like Mike had no idea what people meant, now you know. I had to ask you said you said to me something and you're like uh I think it was like my my, uh, my dad got canceled and I said oh what does that mean Yeah well so that's also the, the irony of all this I was is like, like he still I still I listen to his podcast he still has yeah. a mic what does he mean I got so confused and and Rini was like oh just ask her I know what it is like you know <laughs> everybody else knew but me You have well, to ask stuff to know stuff people I, asking questions is never a bad thing As a teacher, I can tell you there are no stupid questions. Um, Mm. And well, maybe there are, but I'm not going to tell you to your face that they're stupid. Anyways. (laughs) That was what this dumb kid said to me today. (laughs) Idiots. No, I mean, it was ironic because around the time that we got this started and, and Reans contacted me on Instagram to share this interview with me. Uh, my dad was being canceled on Twitter big time uh, for COVID-related yeah. statements. And so, you know, as as the, this guy is afraid of doxing, I'm getting messages from strangers saying, your dad is a piece of shit. And if you believe him, then you're just as delusional, you know? And so... <laughs> Yeah, and like, you know, you know, one of the things about this is this thing, and and, and again, I, I, this is sort of a primer episode for everyone, but the ability to instill anxiety in people is really an important part of being a cult, and the in- ability to instill and. If you've ever been attacked by somebody on the internet or just been around these people, it really does. I mean, you can be as mentally strong as you want. It mm-mm. it makes you feel nervous, and so you can see how. Um, that that could make someone feel uh, vulnerable, even if they don't have some of the other stuff these cults have going on. Um, so let's talk about the the anonymity for a second. Um, the only other member of production to ever know about something is if someone is an anonymous source is if they approach Paulina and Reens, my lovely partner and uh, our producer, who will who has notes on this as well on this episode, you'll, and she'll chime in from time to time. Um, but the only that would be like essentially if someone's anonymous and they approach Paulina and they say, "I did this anonymous thing, and or, I want to talk about MGTOW or this group anonymously," and they approach Paulina, that would be the only reason Paulina knows the identity. Mm-hmm. And also, as a pre-production thing, is I put tons of subterfuge in in these things. There's lies about these people's identity, not about other things in their life but there are things you could not watch these videos and be like you know oh i figured it out from that clue and that clue and that clue. you couldn't right. there's, 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 there's jonathan yeah, yeah. That, that would never happen um yeah ultimately we're, we're trying to protect the people who are sharing their beliefs with us because ultimately this is an investigation and you know, the more people we interview, the more that we learn. And I think what's so powerful about this interview is that this is what kickstarted an entire project. Mm-hmm. And it is powerful. Yeah, it's very Re- powerful. Rewatching it, I did not remember how just woof, this is going to be a crazy episode. As a thing about that anonymous stuff, too, before we get into clips, um, although I interrupted your ultimately, but I want to hear the ultimately <laughs> there. <laughs> I um, forgot it already, so don't worry. Okay, about ultimately it. we forgot it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I want to say this. I've worked, I've met other people in the documentary world. I, I meet a lot of people in doing this. I've met people that have made films about crime, about literally people on the street doing crack. I have never met anyone 
who has had a project with more anonymous interviews than us. Mm. Um, and it's never my idea. They are always the one who want to be anonymous um, or else they want to bail. And I say, would you be open to doing the interview anonymously? Um, and, you know, that, that's, that's a weird fact. And ultimately, ultimately. So <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, let's, ultimate. let's go through clips. So hell yeah. First, me and Reens had this, the same first one. I think we had before you. It's at um, three minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, and you'll hear it right now. So what, what is it that you believe as a MGTOW? So, how do I put this? So, I, you know, the way, I, the way I grew up thinking about relationships and how they were going to go uh, and how things, quote unquote, should be, uh, ended up being very different from how things ended up being. Like so what? So that, that difference like was kind of... Okay, so, uh, you know, name, you a, name a preconceived notion and name how it is. preconceived notion is when you're young you're, you're you think oh you know when you get older you'll you'll meet a girl you'll you'll get along great you'll you marry her you start a family and things will likely turn out great happily ever after okay and uh the reality is that it's much tougher than that so this is about preconceived notions um and the idea of MGTOW one of the really powerful ways that all red pill groups work is their main conceit is, I don't know if you remember this quote, Paulina, but essentially the, the, their main conceit in MGTOW is, you're not stupid. You didn't have a relationship that just went bad for some reason. Um, you weren't educated. So it has to be, so this sounds like a really casual quote when you're hearing it. It's like, oh, I didn't understand relationships growing up. But um, what it really is, is, you know, it's, drilling in confirmation bias it's drilling in this idea that you didn't get it before now you're enlightened now you have the enlightenment because you were wrong before um from reen's notes she says uh he's conflating and offloading his objective experience with a universality about relationships mm. which i think is really interesting he's just um like trying to make something that happened to him mean that it happens to everybody, which is, right. you know, making the personal weird... universal. Which, yeah. From a writing standpoint, anytime you make a general statement, it's a weak statement. Like if I were like, you know, editing this guy's essay and he was like, he said any of this stuff, I'd be like, this is way too general. Like, let's get into the specifics. Like don't claim to know other people's experiences only vouch for your own, which I, I mean, I think generally what I was sort of um, blown away by was his his trepidation. Like you can sense that he's really trepidatious this entire interview until he kind of like breaks a little bit. But ultimately, like he it's amazing to subscribe to a philosophy that you don't really know how to talk about. And and it kind of makes mm -hmm. sense because it's not like he's vocalizing these ideas and opinions to people. It's all online. And and that's a big thing that um you know a future interview we'll hear about from Hoyt Richards. But essentially they 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 these people are leading up to a moment in their life where if someone questions me on it, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you. And he has his opportunity. And Hoyt talks about in a future interview uh, not doing so good at that same challenge and. Uh, 
it's clear here that the subject is having the same experience that like they tried to really they they were they were thinking that they had all this knowledge and that they were holding it back and that once once they let it out at me you know i was gonna i was really not gonna oh man i'd be so impressed and it's not working and right um, right <laughs> we all have the same next quote uh this is at five minutes 54 seconds um a lot of people in our, in, our, in our group wrote it out, which is, I never realized how calculated women are in choosing their partners. It's the realization of how calculated women are when they choose their partners. What does that mean? You know, they have, you know, uh, an extensive checklist that, you know, it, it never occurred to me, like, how scrutinous they could be when they can choose their partners. So well, well, I don't know what that means. I honestly, you know, I honestly, this sounds like rhetoric. I don't know what it means. How you know, would they care? You know, they they really like to factor people in. People can't. The, 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 I'm I'm asking honestly. Is your yeah. sentence people care a lot about the person they're going to live with and spend the rest of their life with and breed with? Is that your statement that's supposed to shock me and viewers? <laughs> uh, it's you know what shocked me was like how ruthless they are about like how much money a guy makes. Uh how much social you know what kind of social status the guy has you know as opposed to thinking oh you know true love can just happen two people can just meet and they can just fall in love and like things are great it's like no i don't think it works that way so <laughs> Rini, I... wants me to, Rini wants me to quote taylor swift so go ahead and say what you felt about it and then i'll quote taylor swift. i i could i could benefit from being more calculated and choosing my partners when i read that i was like I mean, not read that. I mean, I just read it in my notes. But when I heard that, I was like, this guy's never met me before. And he doesn't know how indiscriminate I am. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And that was and that was what I assured him later. I said, there's going to be women who hear you say that they won't be caring and that they 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 only go for good guys. And it's like. Where they only go for men with all these different things, and there's going to be women being like, uh, "I wish." There's going to be yeah, men being yeah. like, "There's going like, to be men being like, uh, I wish." I wish that was how love worked, and and um, it's pretty unfortunate that he doesn't get that. <laughs> Reed what says it, yes, to read a Taylor Swift quote: "A man does something. I don't know this song. A man does something, and it's strategic. A woman does the same thing, and it's calculated." Um, which is Ooh. so Reans also wants me to specify right away. Taylor Swift is talking about her problem in the music industry, um, which is a totally different thing. The idea of prejudice towards women um, in in like the workplace. But she just thought of it as a good quote. And I think it's really interesting what she brings up here. And she's essentially saying like what I say in a later quote that's is really similar, which is. Uh, the subject sort of accuses me of not understanding women and I'm like you're the one who doesn't understand women I'm fine with it I understand them perfectly I mean I think that's kind of a funny statement like I I I did kind of like laugh to myself like as I was watching it watching two guys just being like no I understand women no I understand women and I just thought that was funny I have I have such I I have such an issue with people saying that stuff too like like I've heard men's I've heard men say things like this is the thing I want to, I've heard men say things like well yeah and I know about like menstruation and things like that it's like you know as much about menstruation as a toddler 
who knows about the idea of potty training knows <laughs> about the intricacies of wiping your butt like when you don't have a lot of toilet paper and you don't have like like yeah you understand it from the sense of you know what it is but like right. you, as a man you are a toddler compared to how many times someone has a, 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 a menstruation and how much they've dealt with it and how much has gone wrong like you even just on a practical level you know nothing but it was more this thing of of the, uh, uh, related to, to Rini's thing, which she's saying, like, you're accusing women of being calculating, and yet this guy is sitting here and saying all of these calculating game schemes about his thoughts on women. It's like the person being... Ca- I only brought that second quote up, which is funny to hear him being like, you know, I know more about women. No, I know more about women. But he's bringing it out to point out that women are calculating. When the, when the person right. that's calculating is him. I mean, I think the kind of you know, what kind of sealed it at all for me was when he was talking about, and this happens a little bit later, so maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but just, like, rating women. Just, yeah. like, talk about calculating. Like, you're literally ascribing numbers. Yeah! You're literally calculating! Oh, that's a great point. Um, so, let's let's go. I don't... I think that um, you have the next quote, um, which I concluded as one quote, uh, and people will hear that right now. Um and this is about uh, at, at at about six minutes forty. It's like how ruthless they are about like how much money a guy makes, uh, how much social you know what kind of social status the guy has, you know, as opposed to thinking, oh, you know, true love can just happen. Two people can just meet and they can just fall in love and like things are great. It's like no, I don't, I don't think it works that way. So, oh, that women only care about money and social status, and that he doesn't believe in true love. Yeah, we get to the, well, yeah, he, 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 the true love thing is later, but, um, he, he says this thing about, about women only care about social status and money. Um, you know, which again, uh, I wish that's all I cared about because then that would make things much simpler for me, you know, then it'd just be like, okay, only rich guys, you know, only bankers, but no, I chose a paralegal musician um, <laughs> despite my better judgment. No, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I, the, the, I guess I feel conflicted. Because Are I you think, flustered, Paulina? I'm, I'm totally flustered. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like, there are people who are calculating and only care about money and social status, but that is not the majority of people. I mean, there's yeah, always going to be and outliers. I think, that you'd even, I think that you'd even find that those people are... I, I think you'd even find that those people are probably crappy people, but are not this cult even. I'll say that too. Right. That, that they, they are not this cult and they're not bad people in terms of like, you know, the, the, the way they act. They probably are just like, you know, a little bit too obsessed with money and probably aren't as happy as, as other people, which is a relative thing to say, but... I, I don't. I, I think even if you find those people, they don't confirm anything that these guys are saying. Um, which, which again, I, I would love to like. This is starting to get into you being flustered. I wanted to, to ask you about this. You know, we talked later about it feels so easy to decide that this is where to to unload on these people. Yeah. You know, it feels good, but like, how are you coping with in this project, knowing like? oh, these people are brainwashed. This isn't real. Yeah, I mean, throughout this project, it's been 
definitely challenging to remain even keeled and feeling safe. I mean, I think all of us had at least one panic attack over the course of these interviews. We'll get um, to that later. I I was really uh, uh, I reached out to another journalist friend of mine and told them about this investigation, and she was like. Oh, like you have real trauma. Like you, you, you've dealt with like some bad people. Like you, you should. And I was having panic attacks and I don't know why it was like such a revelation to me to hear that I had trauma from the investigation, but we all have. Yeah. I mean, we all have. I obviously, because I'm a woman, I never actually interviewed a MGTOW because that would require, um, you know, them thinking women are people um (laughs) (laughs) but like even in the proximity of it right like it kind of made me question my safety and and throughout doing this work it's a question of am i making myself a target you know and like Mm -hmm. you know there's like comments on the videos about you know the way i look and you know he talks about like bigger women and i'm like you know what if if being a little chub is going to keep me away from MGTOWs, I'm happy to be a little chub, you know? Like, I know, right? I'd gladly gain some... Some, some, some poundage. Weight. Yeah, but it definitely, you know, I'm, I'm generally very wary of the internet. And it was interesting timing to go from dad being canceled, people sliding into my DMs to tell me that I'm a monster... You know, to, you know, investigating this cult online who specifically, like, really does not like women. And, yeah. and, and you know, it's... We're going to talk it, about covert depression later. And, um, you know, it's this sort of extreme version of uh, uh, scapegoating through uh, extrovertism. But uh, it, it's it's an interesting phenomenon. That, that, that's the thing that's, that's so interesting that's going to be hard for people to break down is that... This phenomena of covert depression, where you sort of compensate or scapegoat, um, covert depression is separate from scapegoating. But like scapegoating your idea, your, your, your problems is not mutual to this group. They just do it on everything and they have so many issues. And so you're going to get people doing this on every side of every issue because it's a it's a mental health issue, which has been hard for me to not say like these people are gross and just bad people, um, which they might be as well. Right. Well, the other thing that we haven't addressed yet is, you know, we were in the height of COVID in New York City. And I was hearing, you know, 15 ambulances go by my apartment every single day amidst all this. And so part of the (laughs) the sort of magic of this project is that we were able to facilitate a, a investigation from two different places. And, you know, through this project, we got to know each other. And... We've never met in person. And (laughs) a a really powerful point that we've made to people is we sort of have two really interesting elements of our project publishing wise, which is one, we put everything out before it's ready. And two is my point was these people in MGTOW and other hashtag cults claim that it's the fault of the Internet. And yet through the Internet. That's how we've done all of our really positive and, you know, pro mental health and healthy people and experts. It's all been done through the Internet. So to say that it's somehow the fault of the Internet, it's the fault of where you go on the Internet. It's the fault of those other users on the Internet. It's not. I really didn't want this to come down on the Internet like some other projects we've seen that are Internet based problems. I wanted to show you have a choice. You might not have a choice once you're brainwashed, but you have a choice to find good stuff on the Internet. Every expert found through the internet um 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about ingesting healthy foods, but we don't talk about the quality of the content that we're consuming. And I think the media we consume completely determines our worldview. And if you're consuming a lot of rhetoric that is easy to digest and neatly hateful, like it can kind of get you into this echo chamber. but, uh, you know, it's interesting you brought up that, that, that word in those terms, because uh, this is one of the things that I want to push is that's true, but it also depends a lot on your mental health, which, which mm. we'll get deeper into later. But the fact is, Paulina, and this is a lot of evidence against sort of using the word echo chamber, and I don't want people to, I like that you brought it up, but I don't want people to attribute the nasty qualities of talking to anyone or this general sort of, well, that's the internet echo chamber thing. Because guess what? Me, Paulina, and Reens, we've been consuming more of this content than probably most MGTOWs do, and we're all fine. Right. And so you need to... I mean, aside to, from the panic attacks, but... Well, but that's that's because we're talking to terrible people. But, you know, like, or people who are brainwashing in a cult, it's a very scary energy. Yeah. And we're going, they're not terrible people. They, they, they have adopted a terrible framework facade. ideology. Yeah. And this facade is very scary. It's the design of it is to be scary. And, but to say, I think there is this thing where people are like, well, you, you imbibe this stuff and you become it. I really, I really don't think that that's, that that's the case here. And we're going to talk to some psychologists who talk about this and that I believe there's a lot of pre-existing things going into this. And this sounds like a great answer. But let's get back to quotes. I think I have a quick note, which is you almost miss it, um, which is uh, at one point the subject says, I don't have any answers. um, And his evidence is just in his experiences. Um, And and this this gets to confirmation bias and sort of what Reens pointed out before, which is that it's all paranoia. It's it's all you can look at any experience with paranoia and go, that's proof. Um, But you have the next quote which I thought was um, really interesting. Um, he's seen, uh, you, you have a quote of couples going south. Uh, we'll play that as well right here. And that goes along with what we just said. But at nine minutes, he's talking about bragging. Mm. I what would don't it really take? have an answer for it. What would, what it, would it take? What evidence would you have to see to say, I'm wrong? Because I, mean, I know, I know dozens of couples that defy what you say so what does it take for you to and there are and i don't know that many people what 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 does it take for you to see that you're wrong i mean i don't think you should be given that much but what would it actually take for you to see that that's not how women view things you know i've seen so many cases of couples you know in my personal life and just from consuming this content and being exposed to it of couples going south things go you know falling apart okay and um i you know i i, I kind of you know i hear these stories and i kind of connect it back to experiences i've had and like reactions women have had to like things that i've said or what you know, reactions like, to what I'll, I'll give an example i'll give an example so i remember uh, i was was at a gathering and i remember i was trying to like brag to this girl like because what happened yeah, sorry, gathering was, sounds rhetorical too. Do you mean a party? <laughs> yeah, I was at a party. I was at a party. Okay. It was actually at a concert, but it was after the show was done, so we we're just talking in the venue. You know? Okay. Anyway, so um I'll just tell you the whole thing. So I I kinda walked up to this one girl and 
And I just said like, hey, how's it going? And then she literally just looked me up and down and just walked out the fucking door. Okay. And that's fine. That's fine. That totally happens. I get it. And I remember I go back to my group of, group of friends and uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, this stuff happens. Yeah, I remember, I, and I said, I quote, I remember one time I just walked up this girl at a cafe and, you know, we, we dated for a year. And uh, the girl I was telling this to, like, just started smiling. She just started smiling. And, like, I think I know why she was smiling. And, it's, and there's, like, a deep meta to why she was smiling and like, laughing at me in that case. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, like, I understand the truth now. And the truth is, it doesn't, you know, she thought it was, like, pathetic that I, but that I was proud of having dated a girl for a year. If I was actually proud, I mean, something to actually be proud of in her mind would be, like, oh, you know, I, I slept with her that night. Yes. I thought that that was so interesting. I, you know, it's... It's funny because I think bragging in specific context is like a really good thing. But opening with bragging is such a weird, like macho approach to women. Like it's such a weird, like, let me go up to this woman and impress her with my things. You know, it's like, what? Like, why don't you just address it as a struggled. I struggled with a lot of these things in saying the reverse Uh, as someone who's really conscious of how they talk about people. I really struggled saying things like later on, I talk about being good at sleeping with women. You know, it's this ridiculous sentence to say out loud. (laughs) And it's, it's this thing of like impressing women and being and whatever and being this, I mean, come on. It's just, it's just not well, real. I mean, I, I thought it was super poignant that, you know, she looked him up and down and smiled and walked away or whatever. And he took that and contorted it to his own liking, right? Like he right. ascribed meaning to it that it may not necessarily, you know, have needed. And I think something that we don't talk enough about is that rejection is a part of life. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's not so everything hard. is going to fit. It's so hard in projects like this because, and this is one of the reasons that Reens is so valuable is because, you know, she's not in the arts in the way that me and Paulina is, but she's certainly used to a lot of rejection like any normal person. But it's so difficult because rejection is a part of entertainment. You just get rejected. Like it's almost Constantly. all no. It's almost yeah. all no. It's just a life of no. And then someone says, yes, you're like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, but but what you're assuming too, and this will get to the next part that we're talking about. This actually transitions into the next quote. So I'm going to play that and then talk about it. So this is at 12 minutes, 22 seconds. And he's talking about women will sleep with this person and starts to really lay out basic MGTOW philosophy. Women, I mean, and they have every right to, they like to sleep with a lot of like really macho guys. They like, especially in their early 20s. They like to do that. And... Then they like to, and, and maybe when they take a break from that, they date uh, guys who are not macho. You know, so let's, the, the let's, sweet guys, let's stop the funny there. guys. Let's stop there because okay. I think that maybe that's something you're not really understanding. Do you know okay. what a sex doctor is? Sex scientists? Have you heard of these? Uh, I can I can kind of guess what what that's about. This doesn't surprise me that you don't know what this is. There is okay. an entire science dedicated to understanding sex are you aware that there's people that enter in sex studies who masturbate and have sex in front of scientists for the purpose of science i mean these are funded studies do you know that that exists no i don't 
do you know that everything you're saying is something that Freud would have tried to examine and try to find trends in? And do you know that, like, you're so far from the mark, it's ridiculous? You, so the fact is, is that you're watching all these videos online. And again, this is not about proving you wrong. You can't tell me what a sex scientist is. You're not looking at sex science. And yet you seem to know everything about the sexual habits of women in their 20s, if women in general. You seem to also be only interested in women that you want to have sex with. What are the sex habits of octogenarians, for example? You, what we assume, again is that they don't get it. And this is the thing that's going to be so hard for people to get, which is that we want to ascribe this group to the sexism of life. And it, it is in a lot of ways. It is in a lot of ways. Uh, we'll talk about in later investigations the room with which MGTOWs have to operate because of misogyny in the world. But uh, you're, what you're doing there is actually assuming he's a better person than he is. This guy, from my knowledge of him and what he says in the, in the, in the, the, the piece hasn't slept with a lot of women, hasn't asked a lot of women out. And so this one story, I guarantee it is the one time he talks to a girl. Mm. I guarantee it's, the, it's, 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 it's a handful of times he's tried to flirt with women. And so it's not, it's a little bit like in terms of being a toddler, again, this analogy, it's a little bit like when kids first start to fool around and then they're like, oh, like when you do this thing with a penis and the balls and whatever. And it's like, yeah, how many times have you done that? You know what I mean? Right. Like, like I've totally touched boobs. They are I, heavy. This is the I've totally touched <laughs> boobs. This is the I've totally touched boobs. Um, well, I, 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 yeah, I feel I feel I feel like we would be remiss to not talk about the idea that men going their own way can be an empowering experience, right? Like in a feminist context, yeah. In a feminist context, you know, there, if a woman is like, I'm done with men or I'm done with dating or whatever, it would be seen as an act of empowerment. But in this context, it's a little bit more problematic because it's bedded in hatred, right? It's bedded in this idea. Well, let's be clear here. One of the really poignant things that someone says later on, a uh, good friend of our project, Rachel Bernstein, who I call the, the veteran soldier who kept a lot of us calm. We were, we, were sort yeah. of the, we were sort of the rookie battalion, like shaking there, being like, we're scared. And she kind of uh, guided us through a lot of this. But I asked her, can we call this a cult? And she said, at first, I don't think you could, but now you can. And the reason she says that is the reason that a lot of people are hesitant to us calling this a cult. In theory, it sounds like a woman being like, you know what? I'm done with men for a little. I need to work on myself because they co-opted feminism. But you're backing it up. And this is a great transition. You're backing it up with eugenics, which is a really old way of being racist. Mm -hmm. Eugenics is the idea that by either eliminating from the breeding pool, from the gene pool, or somehow using science to prove inferiority in uh, certain types of people, races, sexes, genders, religions, that you will prove and uh, the desire to get rid of them from the human race by saying they're genetically inferior. Women don't do that when they say, a healthy woman who says, you know, I'm, I, I, I focus too much on men. You know, the Bechtel test comes to mind. Uh, if you don't know what that is. Can you explain the Bechtel test? So the Bechtel test was created by Alison Bechtel, who is a writer. She wrote Fun Home, um, the, the graphic novel, and I think another one that... Sitting the, right next to me. 
Is it? I love it's Fun an, Home. It's an yeah, amazing Fun Home's so good. Novel. It's so good. Um, but essentially, the Bechdel test looks at any sort of visual media, like a movie or a television show. And if a female character talks about something other than a love interest twice, then it passes the Bechdel test. So, you know, I there's a lot of movies that don't pass the Bechdel test because often women are meant to specifically focus on the romantic interests in, in movies and television. So, um, it, sorry, it fails the Bechdel test if they talk oh, about fails, it. Oh, fails, fails, correct. More than twice, yeah. So if 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 there's a female character and she has a best friend and they talk about her boyfriend the entire movie that does not pass the Bechdel test. Right. And so the idea is that a lot of female characters are written in uh being, you know, uh, that's their only reason in well, the romantic interest. Yeah. It's it's not a nuanced perspective on women. Um yeah. So the that's the difference is is that Alison Bechdel is focusing on a one element of one thing, which is really important. She's saying, "Let's let's take that." She's saying, "In the work of fiction, this is an important thing to create multi-dimensional characters." Now, that does not apply to life. That does not. Guess what? If you're having a problem in your relationship, that might dominate a lot of your life. If if it's so problematic that it's all you focus on, you should be aware of that. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean your story is somehow invalid. Again, it doesn't apply to life. It applies to works of fiction in creating more diverse female characters. It's this thing of taking, and one of the things that cult, hashtag cults thrive on is taking an example like Alison Bechtel and saying, see, women do it too. But in right. reality... It's they're taking all of those things which are meant to be individual points and turning it into a unified theory, which is is not very strong. Uh, they operate in Reddit and YouTube quite a bit, video content creation, and now BitChute, uh, which is a no limits uh, video platform. Uh, BitChute. Uh, yeah, it's gross. It's spelled BitChute, which I'm sure is not accidental. Um, like uh, bitch and then U T E. Uh, but nice. Uh, the one of the, one of the things that it says in the MGTOW two Reddit, which is supposed to be the better MGTOW Reddit. Um, this is my favorite rule on any Reddit that shows exactly how blind they are to all their stuff, which is 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 sort of why this eugenics things come up. One of the rules is Paulina. Are you ready for this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Keep, keep misogyny to a minimum. <laughs> so not so not that so not that you shouldn't do misogyny just come on guys don't just do so much misogyny just the tip just the tip of misogyny just, just the tip oh so <laughs> um, <laughs> hold on i'm trying rule. to yeah i think we all have the same quote next um which is about uh, no, no, no. You have the next quote. Uh, you have at 1430. So essentially, we all have from um, 1430. No, Reince doesn't have it. Me and Paulina have it. Ooh. From, about, from about 1430 through um, through 15. Uh, through, through, yeah, right up to 15. Uh, and we'll, we'll play that now. So why do you not know? You don't know. 
the sexual predilections, you're only interested and seem to be educated on the sexual predilections of women who might be in porn. And even then, there's elderly women in porn. Elderly men in porn. Can I tell you, I haven't watched porn in years. Can I say that? Yeah, That's you can actually, say whatever you want. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. I actually haven't watched porn in... I mean, obviously, like... What, do you see that as some sort of accomplishment? Uh, it wasn't that hard for me to stop it, but, like, I just why, knew... Why does it have to be hard or bad? What? What? Some people are addicted to it. Some people find or they can't, you know... Are they, you addicted they, to porn? No. Were you addicted to porn? I consumed it. I don't think I was addicted to it, though. But I, I was in the ha- I was a habitual viewer. So, just so you know, what you're espousing is actually a more extreme feminist uh, point of view, that porn is bad. Um, do you are aware that that's a feminist idea? Isn't feminism, you know, liberation? They, you know, they can do whatever they want. They can film whatever they want. Your group is listed as an anti-feminist group. It's an anti-feminist group. Mm-hmm. You're espousing, and again, we're so far off the point here. Sure. What, but but you're aware that not watching porn is a feminist idea. That's Are you fine. aware? There's of that? other things. There's other things about feminism that I, I I instinctually disagree with. But the fact is, is that I don't think you do instinctually disagree with them. I think if I'm going to put all my cards on the table, I'd love to see yours too. I think you've had a rough time with women. I think you're probably suffering from depression. I think that you're looking for something where you're correct and you want to feel you're right because inherently you cannot disagree with feminism because anyone who considers themselves a feminist knows that some feminists are against porn and strip clubs and against sex workers that that is an idea that originates from feminism whatever you want to think about it that's a good trait of feminism I'll I'll give them that but um, now I caught something you didn't so what did you think about this so in the interview, you talk about how his porn habits are actually a feminist perspective that he's accidentally co-opted. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, it's interesting because it's another moment of MGTOW sort of exposing maybe even a healthy habit that like he's not consuming porn and, and his expectations aren't being formed by the porn that he's consuming. Which is ironic because often the idea is that, you know, you learn sexual tips and tricks, if you will, from pornography because there's a general lack of sexual education in this country. And often that can kind of leave someone's sexual partner kind of abandoned because they're, you know, moving through the motions of what they've seen rather than what feels good and asking their partner what's up. And Mm -hmm. so... It's interesting that this approach is is somehow a MGTOW view, right? That like, it, well, maybe we should talk about the difference between MGTOW and incels. So um, let's touch on their porn stuff first, because because that'll be a good transition. Okay. Uh, I've learned a lot about porn in MGTOW since this interview. So firstly, let me clarify what I said. What I said was essentially before we get to the the feminist stuff, which is interesting, my whole point to them, feminists are one of their boogeymen um, that we talked about before. Feminists and social justice warriors and doxing. These are their boogeymen that keep them from sharing their stuff. Um, What I meant to say, and what I will say to everybody who just says quote unquote feminists, is we need, and this is as somebody who's not taking a side on feminism, not because I don't believe in the equality of women, but because 
I'm not a feminist scholar. And what I'm saying to you is stop listening to people when they say feminists, because you should start saying, obviously in conversation, it's like dickish to be like, well, where did you read it? Tell me the actual place. But honestly, feminist is a red flag because it's like, which feminists? Tell me which feminist said that. And so what I was trying to illustrate to, to him was you don't know any feminists that's the thing you know even you pauline i know you know so much about you've read so much about feminism and you want to talk all about you know oh how this feminist used porn differently than this feminist and there's some some negative attitudes in porn and there's this thing and and this is how and this he doesn't know any of that i mean porn has been a hot but my whole point was porn's a hot button issue in feminism for years and even me who's barely read fem i've read a comic book you know about that from alison bechtel i can hardly say i'm a feminist i know that porn is a hotly debated issue in feminism and many take the account that there should be you know uh, 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 more of a healthier genre towards women yet he doesn't know that and so my whole right. point to anyone that just starts saying feminist is which feminist which <laughs> yeah, which that's a great one question. yeah i i think a lot about um something that bell hook said is that you know people wear feminism as or say call themselves a feminist as if it is a outfit to be donned, right? It's something that you can put on. And something that she said that really stuck with me is that feminism is more a theoretical framework through which you practice your life, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is an important thing here. And and that's definitely where my feminism comes from is, you know, I try to, rather than claim myself as something and wear that title proudly, I'd rather act in a way that is in in, con- in accordance to an ideology. And it's ironic that feminism has become this, like, you know, kind of dogged, dangerous thing to these men, because ultimately it just allows women to be people and have rights. Um, and again... Um- so we're sort of touching on everything. We're trying to give you a, a vague outline of this of this project. So we're we're, we're going to have to start like speeding up, but um, it, uh, or maybe do this in two parts. But uh, yeah, essentially they don't they th- that idea of making fun of feminists, which may seem casual and maybe even part of a genuine political belief, um, even from somebody who's ignorant, gives room for them. They don't really know what feminists want. They don't well, know it, yeah. right? And so they're 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 the uh, the idea that other men are against it is what gives them the room to then get extreme and say that feminists will dox you and feminists will you know not believe you and there's a as we'll get to later a Nazi conspiracy that Jews invented feminism in order to take down society, uh, which is God one of their bless. common common held belief. Um, uh, we did it. Oh, the Jews, I we ju- did it. <laughs> well, it, well, but it's like the Jews invented feminism. Like, all right, with the Nazis, what? Uh, to take down society. <laughs> now, come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> that sounded like a positive towards us at first. Um, we both had the same quote, and I want to jump to that because um, I think incel... Uh, let's skip over that for now, the difference between uh, uh, fe- uh, incel and, and MGTOW. Uh, because I think it's it'll it'll come up again as we keep going forward. Because you and I have exactly the same quotes um, in, in the next few minutes. Excellent. It's this one about happiness. Are you hey. happy? Right now, I am very happy. Yes. Okay. With your relationship with women? No. 
So then mm -hmm. I don't really care about the other parts that you're going to be happy about. You have an unhealthy, unhappy relationship with women in your life, and the only reason you're happy with it is because you see them as villains. I'm happy that I've just chosen not to care about it anymore. So, I'm happy that I'm just not worrying about it anymore. But you're not not worrying about it. You fear it. You're not not worrying about it. I can go into any location and talk to a woman and I'm not worried about it. If I if 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 I was single and I was trying to to maybe see if this person is single, I'm not worried about it. If I'm dating someone, which I am dating someone, I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about it. You are in fear. That's different. Hiding is yes a form of not worrying, but let's go back to this issue here. What don't you like about feminism? Okay, here's here's my take. Here's my take. And this is, you know, I don't have all my evidence printed out, ready to list You're off the... You're changing your life views on it, so it don't, I don't really appreciate the sarcastic tone towards me asking you where you're getting this stuff. That's not... It's not cool. No, no, I'm just not a regurgitator. I don't like to... I, I, it's not that I don't like to. I've just never been that kind of guy that can regurgitate, you know... I, don't, I choose not to fester on it and have this sitting on the top of my head. I, I got the main conclusion, and I sit on what that. What don't you but, like about feminism? I don't, what I don't like about feminism is that they cherry-pick... The ben they like to have all the benefits of equality and then none of the the downsides of equality. What would be the downsides they're not doing? So an example would be in the court system. So for a long time, they the court systems court systems were notoriously anti-male. And then once you know, let's say you have what, a what is this where, long time? Could you have years? Yeah, because we, we, I think a lot of people can think of some years where that's not the case. Okay, so past 40 years, 50 years. So what, now it's different? Is it now better? It's slowly changing. Judges are wising up. Judges are wising to, up. To, to, to what, though? These are all vague facts. I'm just telling you off the to, top of to, my head. To what thing are, are, are they biased towards women? I'm asking, what issues do, do were women... I mean, it's ridiculous. What, what issues were women getting the better end of things? Was it in the period where they couldn't vote? What, what era was it where they were getting it better? You know, I don't know, man. Can we have, can we have the next question, please? Which we'll put up. And then um, this next one about uh, OkCupid. A uh, study from OkCupid... Uh women rated 80% of men as below average looking. Okay. So right there, you know, they, they can be very picky. So this is, this is where it gets into this. Okay. I have to be like, get calm here. This goddamn okay. Cupid study <laughs> is so fucking dumb. And his, I hear this more with MGTOWs. It's, they quote it all the time. And we did a, this, I think you'll see where this is transitioning into MGTOW and incel, um, which are both red pill cults. Um, but uh, they love to cherry pick these things like this. The, the stat doesn't even actually say that 
it's a statistical stat about how people, A, use an app, B, there's an assumption in it. Essentially, there's this dumb 80-20 rule, which is an economic uh, uh, phenomenon sometimes, okay? And they use it because it says 80% and 20%. That's why they hang on to it. It doesn't also mean, the, there's a big flaw with understanding this. When we did telephone dieting, statistics studies are always things that people misquote. It's not, it might not be the same 20%, you idiots. If 20% of the guys are above average looking, there's nothing saying it's the same 20%. It means that on average, people are that picky on this app. So they assume, they've assumed, there's a real flaw in assuming, oh, 20% of these guys, and this is this idea that 20% of the workers, this supports hypergamy, which you'll hear about later. 20% of the workers do 80% of the work, which isn't what this is saying. This is saying that 80% of the guys are eliminated because it's an app where you can, it's a meat, it's a meat fact. Oh, uh, well, whatchamacallit? It's a meat market. Of course you're going to choose which guys you, but it's not the same 20%. Well, also, have you been on OkCupid? Me and Reens met on OkCupid. That's see. That's the thing. Either you meet your partner, or it's the saddest place on earth. It is. Well, we can talk about how me and Reens met. It's, it was very happenstance. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of positive things about OK Cupid because you're allowed to write a lot. Mm-hmm. But that being said, do you hear what I just said? Write a lot. It's an app based on on that is meant to appeal to people who like reading about you. Right. It's a more of not imagery. And in fact, OkCupid for a long time didn't, I don't even think had, uh, like you, 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 you couldn't, you had to go further in to see pictures of the person. Right. Um, it didn't have a swiping feature originally, if I remember correctly. So I'm let's talk. I'm an this avid user of all of those uh, platforms. Well. So. Or I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, Zach's going to Zach's like, sweating. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh. This sort of transitions to the difference between incel and feminine and uh, <laughs> incel, <and feminine. laughs> incel, incel and MGTOW that you were saying before. Yeah. Um, so the thing that distinguishes between incel and MGTOW is that incel, as the word itself kind of ascribes, is that those folks are involuntarily celibate. Right. Like and they will say that it has to do with their in, bone again, structure. In, in theory. Yeah. In theory, they're they're on manliness, their undesirability, a lot of sad shit. Just really like a sad, 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 sad ideology. Whereas MGTOW is sort of pseudo um, empowerment in that these men are quote unquote choosing to go their own way, right? But they'll right. ultimately, you know, what makes their their position so stagnant is that they are so hyper judgmental of any any everyone quite Mm -hmm. literally and and it's not coming from a place of empowerment but a place of they're ultimately saying that it's coming from a place of abundance but ultimately it is only coming from a place of scarcity right and we'll get really into this in a future interview with a former pickup artist um but yeah they are both um brainwashed and they are both red pill cults and um MGTOW very clearly co-opted feminism. It's there's pure evidence that we're we're actually I think making a video now that shows every single we talked about it. It's like an audio between the three of us about every single 
thing that's like, that's this feminist idea. That's this feminist idea just turned into a kind of funhouse mirror version of it. Um, exactly. So I think we're going to have to do this in two parts. Okay. 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 So, so um, we only made it to this part. Um, next time, next time we'll play this little clip. Next time your parents can love each other, but you, but you can't, you can't love <laughs> you can't love anyone <laughs> no love allowed do you believe in love at all i believe in conditional love I mean, not, not conditional unconditional love from a parent but i, I think in, in modern dating it's so it's way more you believe that your parents unconditionally love you but not each other i think they've grown to love each other but it took a lot of work took a lot of work well let me ask you a question do your parents Mm -hmm. have a good marriage they have a great marriage have you ever asked them they they love each other that's another fallacy that you brought up before that couples have to fuck into their 80s uh i mean i think that's a very american way of thinking no i said i said what i said was you know nothing about the sexuality of women that are over the age of 60. If you or someone you know has experienced a hashtag cult, is trapped in a hashtag cult, or you have been affected by any group mentioned in this show, go to hashtagcult.org for resources or to get in touch with the show. We want to hear your story. Is there a car alarm going off by you? Yes, there is. All right, let's wait a second. God bless this mess. Hopefully somebody <laughs> notices, notices, notices. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, or hopefully they just steal. Hopefully they just steal the car. Yeah, here I mean, we that can would keep. We can, the problem. We can keep this for afterwards too. This is like a, a, a post thing. I kept saying bigamist instead of bigoted. <laughs> What's with that? It's <laughs> so weird. I did it, and the first time it happens, I say, I say big, I say bigamist, and I go, oh, like no, no, I'm actually saying bigoted, but the the what call it? The mic picked it up. I like slurred my tongue, and it sounds like bigamist to me. And then I did it again. I was like, no, why do I keep saying bigamist? <laughs> That's not the word I want. Huh. I I rarely funny. do that, and when I do, I'm always like, no, I didn't. No, <laughs> no, I didn't say the wrong word. That's really funny. Um, I didn't notice. For what it's yeah. worth, I did not notice. Well, there you go. Bit. Why won't someone just steal that car? I mean, <sighs> ah, huzzah. All right.